Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Game Table! Welcome back to another Game Table. I'm Seamus Burn. This week I'm doing a special interview episode. I'll keep the intro short and sweet. I got to catch up with Alex Albrati from Level Up Dice. He's the CEO, uh, the creator, um, and as we get into in the discussion, uh, the lead of the research and development of all the beautiful dice they make. They've been around for about five years now and um, have really become a um, one of the favorite booths that I love to check out when I see them at major conventions like PAX Australia. Uh, and they now tour the world selling their beautiful uh, luxury dice made from gemstones and different types of precious stones, uh, as well as metals and other materials. And we do, we dig into a little bit about some of their favorite materials to work with and that kind of thing. Um, so instead of rambling on anymore, here's my chat with Alex from Level Up Dice. So I'd love to know, you know, where did the journey begin? Was it like a bolt from the blue or was it a slow boiling simmering idea in the back of your head for a long time? So, um, uh, 2015, um, I was, as I mentioned, I used to work for one of the, the big four banks and I was given a very, very nice voluntary redundancy, uh, which I accepted. Yep. And then I, um, decided to take a four, four weeks sabbatical where I would, um, finish writing a book that was meant to be a TED talk. And I was going to be finishing designing a board game that I had in my head. Um, so everything's going along nicely about two weeks in, I've been a, a gamer for, since I was 11 and I'm 43 now. So I was at 32 years Yeah. Um, back then about, you know, just under 30 years. And I turned around to, to my wife, Nadia, and I said, you know what? I deserve a fancy set of dice. And she looked at me and goes, yeah, you do go for it. So I jumped online and I started looking for fancy sets of dice. Now there was a car, a couple of locations that you could get them. They're both in America. And not only were they extremely expensive, um, the one I was looking at wanted me to wait nearly nine months for my set of dice. <laughs> now, I don't like waiting at the best of times, um, <laughs> but nine months is insane. So I, I, I stood up in a fit of rage um, and turned around to Nadia and I said, this is bullshit. I could do better than this. <laughs> and I wasn't being serious uh, like in regards to doing better than this, but I was being serious in regards to it being crap. Um, and she looks at me and goes, yeah, you could. And she, Nadia has this look. If you ever meet her, you'll get, you'll get, hopefully you don't get to see it. But it's, <laughs> once, once her head's in somewhere, that's it. And so um, she sort of contemplated it. And, and I was like, no, no, I wasn't being serious. And um, her family has a lot of ties and a lot of um, asp- uh, bits and pieces in manufacturing in China. Her right. mom imports and exports large semi-precious stones between China and Russia. So, um, so she then goes quiet and I'm like, no, no, it's all good. It's all fine. And she starts typing and she goes, Oh, look, mom's actually uh, going to be in, in Beijing next week. Um, how about I fly you over there and you make it happen? And I'm like, so what? 
So, <laughs> so within like within like five days of that outburst, uh, I was on a plane over to China with my visas, landing um, there with her mum, who doesn't speak a word of English, um, trying to figure out how would I go about making dice, and and that was 2015 October, uh, not October. Yeah, it would have been October 2015. That's brilliant. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that, yeah, right. It, it fits that classic mold for so many people where you you think you're about to do one thing, and and then sometimes the best idea just uh, yeah jumps up and bites you. <laughs> it does, and it was a it was a you know a big thing because like we um we had just finished putting aside a large chunk of money for a home deposit, and we were like, okay, well I guess we're gambling our home deposit. Um, and it was a, you know, it was kind of a scary gamble because I have no idea about. I understand the dice industry enough because I'm, I was a big fan of the, of dice. Hmm. I had no idea how to make dice or if people would buy it or, so, or you know, were interested in it at all. I mean, look, that's a, and it's a good point because I was going to ask about sort of you know any connections to you know jewelry industries or anything like that beforehand, but you know I guess those sort of family connections were there in some way to manufacturing because certainly one hundred percent. So like. You know, I'll give you an example. When I um, when I went over there and I wanted to go and start doing stone, uh, initially I actually approached a company that was already doing stone um, dice, and their stuff was horrendous. Like we nearly lost the whole business because we'd organised to go into a, a deal with them, and then the stuff they sent us was not even sellable. We actually created a um a lucky dip of just the stuff that was sellable and that actually got us our money back, thankfully. <laughs> um, but, you know, I turned around to um, a family friend, cousin, who runs a jewelry factory and said to him, so um, can you make some dice for me? And he's like, why would I make dice? There's no money in dice. Um, so I actually rented out a 10 foot by 10 foot section of it, put a couple of, um, machines and such in there and then started to use the rest of the machines in the factory uh, and, and got my people to learn how to do it. Nice. Uh, and so then, and, and now we've grown to the stage where the factory had to move. Yep. Um, so we've just moved. <laughs> it was, we were meant to move just after Chinese new year. And then of course COVID hit. Yeah. So we've just finished moving uh, and the space is larger mainly because dice is one of our biggest um I think it's forty percent of the whole factory now. Yeah, wow. And I mean, yeah. So is that part of sort of how it's evolved that you, I guess, you went from you know, like were you sort of starting out just partnering with some of those manufacturers overseas, but now you are actually doing your know, internal manufacturing. Well, from day one, it, um, other than the attempt of stone. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. It's always it's always been uh, owned by us. Yeah. So we um with the with the metal workshop uh, it was a brother-in-law who was doing corrugated roofing uh, and so we would share the space mm. uh, and it's got to the stage now where you know uh, the majority of what's coming out of there is going to be <laughs> it's, it's dice and, and so you know how would you then describe what level up is in terms of an industry because i feel like you know nerdy luxury goods is kind of a weird niche to, to carve out i mean what, how do you kind of explain it to people who don't understand that people really do care about dice the first time i saw you guys i was like of course this makes so much sense well i mean if, if i'm talking to a non-industry person i'll say we're a manufacturer of luxury goods um and that sort of sums it up yeah but but you know they'll 
there's usually the follow-up question, what sort of lunch you goods? And you go, well, dice. And they look at you like a blank stare. <laughs> and you're like, you know, the things like you roll. And they're like, oh, for casinos. And I said, well, yeah, casinos, one thing, but there's a large industry out there that loves dice. Um, so, yeah, usually that's a sort of um, the sort of way I describe it. And mm. then it's a challenge because I don't know um, if, you've, if you've spoken to um, or been in, in a CEO role, CEO role before, but you don't introduce yourself as a CEO. You don't go, yeah, I'm a CEO. You know, it's it's not something that just naturally flows in a conversation. Yeah. Uh, you know, in fact, <laughs> it's been shown that most CEOs get introduced by someone else as a CEO. Uh, That's a good a, point. It's a third party um, uh, the, uh, title as opposed to a first party title. Mm. But most of the time, I'll just say I you know I design and manufacture luxury di- goods or luxury dice is how I introduce it. Brilliant. So, look, I first saw Level Up at PAX Australia, sort of probably, you know, roughly that five years ago. Um, first in sixteen would have been, yeah. Yep. So, like, in first it was just a little cute small booth, um, but I do remember chatting to you just because I was like, this is great, like this makes so much sense. And then over the years seeing it evolve into this kind of beautiful custom booth that you now have, which really does feel styled after a jewellery store experience, you know, has the kind of con scene been been a big key to the flourishing of the business over the years for sure like one of the most important things when i first launched level up dice was i didn't want it to be an online shop uh you don't get the true luxury experience buying online you don't buy ferrari online you know you don't buy a diamond online um so i always wanted to have that face-to-face aspect and you know i had a lot of my staff throughout the years try to convince me to go online. And when we finally did, I was still not, I, I personally was like, this isn't a good idea, but it is what it is. Uh, and, you know, we found a way of being able to sell it online and still give people the option. Because one of the most important things we do, um, and I, I believe we're still the only people in the industry doing it, is when you buy a set, we pull out two sets for you and you build your own set because every single stone is going to be unique and different. Um, every single patented color on the aluminium is going to be unique and different. So you actually custom design your set on the yeah. spot. You know, and, and that hand feel is really important. And every single staff member isn't a salesperson. Uh, every single staff member was actually um, found across the other side of the cabinet. So someone was buying from me and I saw a spark and I said, you should come work for us. So every single person you speak to behind the cabinet is a gamer who loves dice, who owns our dice, who went through the whole process and has the understanding of what makes them special. Mm. Um, so you have this completely different environment. Uh, what's really interesting, though, is so as the convention scene became our bread and butter, and then we started moving on to online and everything else, the actual packs you saw us at 2016 was probably one of the most important shows we ever did. So we were in a little um, three by three because we were talking Australian now, so I can say meters. Um, <laughs> and I think it was like Saturday, I was talking to some random individual with an American accent. And um, he was asking about it, the business and the, the dice, and I gave him the typical spiel I'd give everyone, you know, talking about what makes them so unique and where we come from. And he asked me a question, and his question was, so have you ever considered going to a U.S. show? And, you know, I'd, I, I always wanted to go to Gen Con, and I, I thought that'd be the, the kind of the, the ultimate goal is to be a Gen Con. I said, yeah, definitely, um, I'd love to go to Gen Con. And his response was, well, have you thought about going to PAX in the, in the US? And yes, 
don't hold this against me. I didn't know very much about Paris. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I said, yeah, okay. I, that, it's going great here. We're having a really good show. And he goes, done. And I'm like, I took a step back and went, hi, I'm Alex Abrate. I'm the, uh, the director of Level Up Dice. And he goes, hi, I'm Mike Fairhauer. I'm the vice president of Penny Arcade. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, pack south. He's in like five weeks. And I was like, wait. What this is over Christmas. So everyone, everyone worked through Christmas so we could have enough stock ready, and then we flew across um, from Australia to America in January for um, Australia Day, which was when the same weekend was Pack South with four suitcases worth of dice and four of us who had no clue about the American market at all, and that's how we started our international journey. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Um- so yeah, are, uh, did you find that there's any like differences in different parts of the world in terms of how people respond to Level Up, like different product lines or even different stones or styles, or or is it kind of pretty universal? No, it's completely different everywhere, and even yeah, wow. down to the state level. Like when we go to Texas, we always bring extra copper because for some reason they are obsessed with copper. Wow. Um, so we we have uh, a map um, with what works in what locations, what people prefer, um, what the average sort of spend is, uh, how that shifts and changes. So, you know, we might bring more of our higher expensive range to um, a PAX East, for example, because a lot of people there like to buy that ultra luxury level as opposed to a standard luxury level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Because <laughs> I wasn't sure. I was really sort of thinking, oh, like maybe it's a pretty universal kind of a feeling overall, but that's great to hear that people really do have those differences about what they fall in love with. Yeah, it, it blew me away. Um, you know, no no idea that was going to happen. And, and, and the problem is you can only base a convention off previous conventions and so you'd end up bringing stock that didn't sell and that became a whole game of learning itself, which is why we have a dedicated convention manager in the business and part of their job is to understand all of that as well. Yeah, brilliant. So kind of nerding out a bit on the gem stuff now that you're, you know, over the years now you've become an expert, no doubt. Like what have been some of your favorite materials to work with or what have been the most popular materials? I imagine they're not necessarily the same in terms of the favorite to to craft with versus what people love the most. Definitely. And so I don't know. If, if you know, but purple is my favorite color. Yeah, so, right. Um, <laughs> anything purple. There's a reason we have purple shirts. Um, <laughs> so Amethyst it was definitely um, it's one of my favorites. And it was the first stone I actually ever uh, made a set out of. Cool. Uh, was that I the set had... to kind of solve your problem of wanting to buy a set? No. I Once I got into it, it became a completely different beast. And yeah, I didn't right. even think about my own set for a while. <laughs> Um, that's a whole different story. I mean, I've now got a suitcase that I, has all my sets in it. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, in the beginning, it was working with what my cousin and everyone knew what to work with, as opposed to we're going to learn how to do things. Mm. Uh, and so a lot of the materials were common materials. Uh, things like, you know, your um, opalites and your tiger's eyes and such. Uh, opalites actually probably one of the most um, uh, favorite stones out there because it is such a, a beautiful translucency multicolored as well mm. um but because we've now gone to the stage where we do crazy stuff and we have a vip group that um we'll make specific one-off pieces for them uh and we're talking about like four plus figure sets of dice yeah wow and, and you know and probably my absolute favorite and what i've now worked on twice and the first time i worked on it 
we managed to make a couple of sets and a couple of special uh, spare D20s, which I actually have a walking cane that has a acrylic D20 on the top of it, and then inside that is the terror is the D20 of this of the stone, just like imagine um of uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, and, that is great. <laughs> I love the, it. The, and the stone's called Chararite. It's actually a stone only found in northern Siberia. It's purple with these amazing black striations through it. And it's so rare that Russia actually limits the amount of stone outside of Russia wow. every year. And you may have picked up before that I've got connections. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Russian connections, the yep. <laughs> well, my, my wife lived in Russia for like 13 years. Yeah, brilliant. So um, being able to get my hands on some chararite and real chararite, uh, there's a few places that have done fake uh, and we're the only people in the world doing it. It's, it's sort of exciting and it's my my favorite stone. And I have now got, because we did a, a second run just recently of three sets and one of them I had to keep for myself. That's awesome. And do you have uh, a good picture of that cane? I'd love to... Uh... Post a picture Ooh, of that if you do I'm have sure a photo. I do have a picture of the cane. Because that sounds um, amazing. <laughs> it used to light up, which was really cool. <laughs> that <laughs> is cool. Of course it did, but it doesn't anymore. But, um, <laughs> I will I will put that as, I'll write that here because I'm sure there's a few pictures you'd like. Yeah. Cane picture. Would you like a picture of um that's that's the set I have now have as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go on. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that All sounds right. great. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Um, and so, you know, one thing that sort of hits me is, um, you know, like how, yeah, how you do choose the kinds of stones that you want to work with, you know, how extensive is the creation process? And part of, partly I'm thinking, you know, is it always only working with raw stones or I, I, I don't know what the technical term is, but that kind of reforming or heating in different ways to kind of make sure you're getting the shapes that you need. Uh, like how do you kind of go through all those sorts of processes? Well, my, so Interesting enough, the thing I'm the best at, if we were to go, hey, Alex, you have one job and level of dice, it's R&D. I have a creative mind that just never stops. Cool. And so as we've grown the business and as I've had to, I've been able to um, farm out certain sections of the business to certain people and I, it frees up more of my time, more and more Alex is being aligned into just taking care of R&D. Um, you know, sure, there's the, the CEO leading the ship, but when I'm my bread and butter when I'm working and I'm not doing CEO-ish stuff, I'm spending all my time in R&D. And there's a, you know, there's a lot that goes into that from designs to I'll, I'll go and visit three, four, five different stone markets uh, around the world every year looking for what pleasures me or what I see and goes, oh, that could turn into a really cool um, set of dice. Or I wonder if we could actually do something with that material. Um, so for me, a lot of it goes off just my internals, my gut, my um, my creative process. Uh, what you'll see out of Love Up Die, some of the most iconic things, things like our raised obsidian, mm. um, you know, was the, probably the first time I've actually ever cried uh, at a set of dice. <laughs> um, so 
we were we were doing the first set and we'd, we'd be playing with the raise process. It's it's not a revolutionary process per se. Uh, it's been used on Obsidian before. The problem is it's never been used on such a small um, sides and mm. uh, surface area. And when um, when we worked on it, we have to engrave around the whole rest of the number as opposed to the number itself. Yeah, it's crazy to think, and it's a, you know it's a insanely more um, time consuming and insanely more expensive and insanely more um, you know one mistake can screw the whole thing up. Yeah. So we just we just finished doing the the D six, and um, we pe- once once it goes through polish and everything else, we have this coating that we peel off. It's like a bit of like a red coating. And we peeled off the sides, and as it came out, I just looked at it and literally just started, you know, tears just started falling out of my eyes. I'm like, it's just something in the air, guys. <laughs> but um, it just looked exactly like I dreamed. Yeah, uh, sort of that's thing. brilliant. And, 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 you know, and you look at it now, it's been probably our most successful set of dice we've ever, ever launched. Um, you know, and that's where a lot of what where everything comes from is I'm always thinking when I'm walking through the average world, could this be applied to dice? Could this be applied to dice? You know, the ionization process and now we have all our ionized dice that now a whole bunch of other companies have as well came from seeing a different process and going, how can I modify that process into it working? Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, So what I, I mean, I almost feel like I'd be right in thinking that each time you think, Oh, let's try something even crazier that that your fans just say yes, we'll buy it. Like, what do you got? What do you got for us? Keep keep going. Keep being crazy, Alex. <laughs> oh, for sure. And there's a very important. So, if I was to ever give a impart some um, some learnings and knowledge of, on my own, is you, you should never never is a strong word. You shouldn't try to build something that's for the fans. You should try to build something that you think is right. Mm. Um, so, if if you if you try to design something that's fan-based you're living up to or you're trying to live up to their expectations and most of the times when you live up to someone else's expectations you're never going to achieve it instead design something that you know you love and then share it with the rest of the world and they'll see the appreciation that you have and the love and then they'll get attached to it as well so whenever we design and everyone in the business is, is open to being able to design if they have an idea they can put it forward and we do it um, there's no idea that's bad. Um, I I came from back in the corporate world where all my ideas were bad, and then two, three years later they started appearing, and I'm like, what the heck, guys? So it took me a while to get over the whole fact of everyone else doesn't know what a good idea is anyway. So screw <laughs> yeah. that. Um, so no idea is bad, and if we do it with enough care, love, and you know we're gamers as well, we we think it's going to be amazing. Everyone else will think it's amazing too. Yeah. And so, look, you've partnered now, you know, in the past few years with, I see, like, lots more of the, like, the streaming shows out there you've got partnerships with and Wizards of the Coast themselves and stuff. Like, how has that part of the journey been, being able to, I guess, you know, knowing that, well, in the, if if this all started because you wanted a nice set of dice, that you're, you're a fan, um, how has that been to be able to sort of start, you know, partnering with all these kinds of organizations? It's been, you know, wonderful and great. It's as all artists will tell you, uh, and I'm one of them, you're always your, your, your biggest critic, uh, you know, and to, to, to have someone like Wizards of the Coast, the name and the business go, hey, we want to work with you is sort of a validation that 
you don't get when you work at the top very often. It's, mm. it's, it's easy to validate down, not easy to validate up. And um, so those sort of partnerships at just an Alex level, as opposed to just a level up dice level, are very, very important, very um, rewarding because they confirm that I must be doing something right. As far as like on a on a larger scale of things at like a level up dice level and a CEO level, I mean, it's 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 wonderful to partner to partner with such great names. We've worked our little butts off to be the best, and we've spent a lot more money on R and D and people than most other companies out there dice related. We have the biggest um, uh, management team in any um, dice company that I know of. I know I'm going to get caught on that but as far <laughs> as i know we do have the biggest management team um and we pay 20 25 higher than the average rate in in the industry as well you know take our people what really makes us and you can see that because the these large companies these large names want to work with people who have that same ideology who take care of their staff who want to achieve for the best who want to push the envelope and not just copy what else is out there you know they they, they want to cr- have someone who and we have a full r&d team i'm not the only one on it thank god we can actually so we one of the services we offer to these large companies is you know what give us a concept and we'll come up with three ideas uh and we can do the r&d for you as opposed to it uh, vice versa or tell us you want to do something that's based around this and bam here we go we've just um in the middle of a agreement with a very large um company in our industry that i can't mention yet um <laughs> well watch out well, for it while talking to them, they mentioned just a single word uh, of what the theme was going to be. And, you know, within 10 minutes, we're like, we're going to send you an NDA. We're going to show you three designs that we've never done before <laughs> that we've been working on that would be perfect for this. And they're just being blown away going, wow, that's just, we would never would have thought of that in 100 years. Uh, and, you know, when, we, when you're living and breathing dice, it's easier to come up with ideas for yeah. sure. Oh, look, that, yeah, that's fantastic. So, I mean, yeah, right, we're living through this weird little coronavirus moment. You know, how, how do you feel like business is coping? Are, are online sales okay, or are you really sort of missing that con scene right now? Um, on a personal level, I'm an extrovert, so this is killing me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love being around people. I love talking to people, so it, it is definitely a challenge. It's, look, it's, it's a situation that's affecting the whole world, right? There are, there are a few places that are doing well. I mean, you look at, like, Someone like Uber Eats, I'm sure their stock's going through the roof, right? <laughs> uh, but um, as far as the, the tabletop industry, it's it's a challenging time, not only because people are getting laid off and they haven't got as much income to spend, but it's affecting local game stores more than anything else. Yeah, You know, local game stores aren't just a store where you go buy a, a board game or some Magic the Gathering cards or some dice. They're a community where you hang out with people and having this this whole social distancing, which is very important, um, has really ruined that scene. And we uh, we work with quite a few retailers and it's been a very hard time to just see what they're going through and how even shifting to online won't work for them really. Yeah. Which is, re- you know, it's, it's a really, I don't want to use the word sad. Uh, it's, it's depressing time. Um, and you're right. It's like this kind of moment where, um, yeah, we sort of are seeing how how valuable these communities are to us. Like just being able to catch up with people in general. But you're right that sort of local game stores have such 
a great role. Like particularly, you know, I mean, you talk about being an extrovert yourself, but I guess, you know, so many gamers are notoriously more introverted and it takes a lot to kind of want to go out and kind of hang out with other people and, you know, play these games together um, that the stores have often been that place that's created that hub for people to realize how much they you know, want to get out there. And with those closed at the moment, it's, yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. It's a, it's not a pretty situation, but um, I know that, you know, we're, we're hurting, of course, every, every company's hurting, having that um, ability to have that buffer, yeah, I think is helping us, but, Again, I mean, three to six months is only three to six months. This could last longer, longer than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see know. how we go. I mean, look, yeah, I feel like the the first event we all get to go to after this is over is going to be a blowout event. Whichever event it is, uh, I feel like everybody's going to be pretty damn excited to see each other again in well, person. It's either going to be a complete blowout uh, and everyone's going to go crazy or it's going to be the most surreal thing because everyone's staying six foot apart and wearing masks. <laughs> And going and just nodding at each other. <laughs> yes, which, yeah, makes handling dice, uh, you know, all the trickier when we're talking about, like, uh, being careful about uh, what we touch. I guess it's stone. It's not plastic. That's one of those good things, right? I think it uh, these viruses last uh, less time on stone than on, on plastic. Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Alex, thanks so much. I mean, any sort of final thoughts on, I guess, what, you know, what drives you, what you kind of love about the company you run and what you hope for the future of it? Well, if I can, I mean, you're an Australian publication, right? Yep. Yeah. So, um, what I'd, I'd love to, to to mention is Australians getting out over the the pond to the rest of the world, right? It's it seems to be an impossible thing, and I've spent a lot of time talking to other companies in the in the greater industry. You know, when you go to supernovas and your packs, you talk to all the other vendors. And they always feel like getting to America is just a, it's like a, a Disney world. It's a, it's an impossible venture. Um, you know, you, you put your mind and your energy to it and you just, you do it. It's a completely different uh, world over there that is inviting for Australians. So if anyone is reading this that has their own business and has always thought about, should I make that jump to the US? Probably not in the middle of the COVID crisis, Um but it's not as scary a place as it can be as long as you do it right and you talk to the right people. You, you know, we picked up a accountancy firm and a law firm as quick as we could to understand what we would do to get around it. Mm. It's, but uh, us Australians need to get out there more. It's a it's a big world that we we should be. Uh, we've got a lot of intelligent people over here who have some really great ideas, and I feel like there's always this sort of barrier exiting Australia, being an island. Yeah, and look, I have to say, people I, from my own sort of travels uh, covering these sorts of events and things from time to time, people the, the accent really does kind of go a long way sometimes. People turn and pay attention to you for some reason. <laughs> they love our voice. Oh, it does. And, you know, and they, they understand and uh, also that the level of quality of what we're doing. The thing to remember is Australia has some of the toughest laws on businesses. Um, in regards to the quality, in regards to taking care of people, in in regards to all those sort of aspects. Mm. So, you know, going over with, for example, woods, all of our woods had to be, um, one, able to come into Australia, which requires very specific, um, different um, curing work so that there's no potential damage. But secondly, Australia has very high, a lot of laws on things like sustainability. Um, So, 
every single piece that we bring over then to the US versus potential other companies out there who might not have to have all those stringent rules, they know that Australia's pieces they're buying have gone through this really stringent process. So that's an advantage yeah. in a way that we've had to deal with it. And because we live and breathe it, it doesn't feel as hard to to achieve those things because we've yeah, everything's been set up here to achieve them as well. Yeah. Look, Alex, thank you again so much for your time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.